Is saying I am following Jesus just a friendlier way of saying I'm studying Jesus? What I mean by that is this. When you get right down to it, is Christianity just a list of do's and don'ts with a really good leader at the core of it? A leader that we do our best to study and try to copy? Or is following Jesus something more than an intellectual exercise? I'm going to answer that question right now. The truth is that following Jesus is more than merely studying Jesus. The truth is that following Jesus is a dynamic relationship, a life of interacting with the indwelling Spirit of God. This is a truth that we at Broadway Church understand and emphasize. In fact, this truth is embedded in one of our core values here at Broadway, the core value of dynamic spirituality. At Broadway Church, we understand that a vibrant relationship with God's Spirit is essential to effective living. This means that we will pursue, teach, equip, and model a Spirit-led life. That's why, as part of this summer's You Asked For It series, many of you wanted to know the answer to today's question. How can I recognize God's voice? Now, many of you are asking, If life as a follower of Jesus is a dynamic spirit-to-spirit relationship, how can I know when God's speaking to me? How can I recognize God's voice? We're going to begin to answer that question by asking another question, a question that you may never have pondered before. And that question is this. What is a thought? Have you ever thought about your thoughts? I mean, what is a thought? Well, the dictionary gives us this basic definition. A thought is a developed intention or plan. A thought is the product of thinking. A thought is something in the mind. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice how the level of intensity decreases between the first and the third definition. I mean, there's a vast difference between a developed intention or plan and something in the mind. Notice that some thoughts are developed, they're intentional. Some thoughts are like a home-cooked meal. I work on them, I plan them out, I produce them. Other thoughts, however, are simply things I have in my mind. I don't know how they got there. They're like pizzas that have been dropped off on the doorstep of my mind. I didn't work on them, I didn't plan them out, I certainly didn't produce them. Somehow, these thoughts just arrived in my mind, and I don't know how they got there. So then, some thoughts I birth and feed and nurture and grow, while other thoughts are simply dropped off on my doorstep. By the way, which of these two options do you think most likely represents thoughts that come from God? Thoughts that we cook up or thoughts that spontaneously bubble up? Well, we'll come back to this later. For now, let's tuck that truth away in our back pockets and keep moving on. Okay, we know what a thought is, so now let's ask, where do thoughts come from? Now, according to the Bible, there are essentially three possible sources of thoughts, and those three possible sources fall under two basic categories. So, first of all, thoughts can have a natural source. Now, by natural, we mean human. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The writer of Proverbs said this, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. 
Paul and the writer of Proverbs were talking about natural human-sourced thoughts. Natural human-sourced thoughts are thoughts that we have formed in our minds. Or they can be thoughts that another human has placed in our minds. In fact, you're experiencing that dynamic right now. For the last few minutes, I have been placing thoughts in your mind. I'm doing it right now. You can't stop me. I'm still doing it. Picture a dancing elephant. See, I'm putting thoughts in your mind. So where do thoughts come from? Well, thoughts can have a natural source. And by natural, we mean human. But that's not the only source of thoughts in our minds. Thoughts can also have a supernatural source. When you hold to a biblical worldview, you recognize the reality of an unseen supernatural realm, the realm of spirit, the realm of God, angels, and demons. And this supernatural realm can also be a source of thoughts that have been placed in our minds. Now, essentially, there are two possible sources of supernatural thoughts. First of all, there's the divine source. It's in the early days of the church, very soon after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John were doing what they regularly did. They were heading to the temple in Jerusalem to pray when something unplanned and unexpected took place. It's described in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were walking by a man who had been lame since birth. A man that I am certain they had walked past many times before because the Bible says that this man was by this temple gate every day begging for money. Now, as Peter and John walked by on this particular day, the lame man did what he had been doing every day of his life. He reached out his hand looking for money. And then, as we reach verse 4 of Acts chapter 3, something spontaneous and unusual takes place within the mind of Peter. Read it. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, the lame man, asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Suddenly, spontaneously, out of nowhere, a thought pops into Peter's mind, a thought that he felt compelled to act upon. Now get this, Peter had walked by this man many times over the years, I am certain. This man had been by that gate every day. Peter and John and Jesus had walked by this gate many times over the years. Never before did they reach out to heal this man. But this time, when Peter walked by and Peter made eye contact with this man, something popped into Peter's brain. God spoke to him somehow and said, Peter, I want to heal that man right now. And Peter acted on that spontaneous thought. Later, in the book of Acts, another divine thought is experienced by another individual. Describing the journeys of the apostles, Luke wrote this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's an odd statement. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. How were they kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching? How did the Spirit of Jesus not allow them to cross the border? The Bible doesn't say. 
But in the very next verse, we're told that Paul received a dream or a vision as God's way of communicating where Paul should go. But we're not told how God communicated where Paul should not go. It appears, though, that somehow they received a spontaneous, intuitive inner impression from the Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus, that communicated to them an awareness of God's desire. Let's look at another example of followers of Jesus receiving divine thoughts. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has been with his disciples for three years, and he asks Peter a crucial question. Who do you say that I am? Peter responds by saying, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now look at Jesus' response. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now there's no record of Peter hearing an audible voice. Nonetheless, according to Jesus, the Father somehow communicated this truth to Peter's mind. In all these instances, the source of the information was not natural, it was supernatural. The source was not human, it was divine. It was God himself who placed the thoughts and impressions into the minds of Peter, Paul, Paul's companions. In each instance, it appears that they received a sudden awareness, a distinct intuitive impression of God's desire. So what does all this tell us? It tells us that thoughts can have a natural human source, but they can also have a supernatural divine source. Now, this reality of experiencing divine thoughts in our minds is everyday living for a follower of Jesus Christ. Remember, as follower of Jesus, we are Holy Spirit people. We are people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. His Spirit and our spirit dwell in relationship. Now, In a letter he wrote to a church in the first century, the leader named Paul described this dynamic of living as a Holy Spirit person. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's pick it up in verse 10. By the way, understanding this passage we're about to read can change your entire experience with God. Paul wrote this. He said, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. In fact, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So describing the dynamic of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, Paul begins with a simple observation. He says, the Spirit of God knows God's thoughts. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Paul then follows that up with another simple statement in verse 11. Look what he says. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? So here Paul is saying, just like God's spirit knows God's thoughts, your spirit knows your thoughts. Try this exercise. Right now, think of some random thought. Okay, got it in your mind? Now look to somebody around you, stare at each other, and see if you can know what each other are thinking. Probably not working, is it? No. That's what Paul's trying to communicate. God's spirit knows God's thoughts, and your spirit knows your thoughts. Nothing mind-blowing here, right? Well, now look at what Paul says next. It's at the beginning of verse 12. He says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Now, here's where we move closer to a key truth regarding the inner intuitive voice in the life of a follower of Jesus. The spirit of God knows God's thoughts. Your spirit knows your thoughts, 
And when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God's spirit lives in relationship with your spirit. We have received the spirit who is from God. Okay, so let's pull back for a quick review before Paul connects the final dot. The spirit of God knows God's thoughts. Your spirit knows your thoughts. When you follow Christ, God's spirit lives in relationship with your spirit. And what does this spirit-to-spirit relationship produce? Look at what Paul declares in verses 12 and 13. What we have received is not the spirit from the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. And then he goes on to say, we have the mind of Christ. Are you seeing this? According to the Apostle Paul, while in relationship with God's Spirit, God's Spirit communicates His thoughts to your spirit. God's Spirit knows God's thoughts. Your spirit knows your thoughts. When you follow Christ, God's spirit lives in relationship with your spirit. And while in this relationship, God's spirit communicates his thoughts to your spirit. That is amazing. But Jesus told us that this is what the Holy Spirit would do. Listen carefully to the words of Jesus as recorded in John chapter 16, 12 to 15. Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He's not going to speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said. That's why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Spirit of God who dwells within you guides you into all truth. The Spirit of God who dwells within you makes known to you what Jesus wants you to hear. The Spirit of God who dwells within you takes what he receives from Jesus and makes it known to you. When God's Spirit mingles with your spirit, God's thoughts mingle with your thoughts. And that brings us to today's big idea where we sum up the teaching in one phrase. When it comes to learning how to recognize God's voice, the most foundational truth I can share is this. God often speaks to us in the form of spontaneous thoughts. When God speaks to us, when God wants to make his thoughts known to us, God often does it in the form of spontaneous thoughts. Sudden, intuitive, ready-made thoughts dropped off on the doorstep of our minds. That is how God often speaks to us. That is how we can often recognize God's voice. But hold on. Before we go running off thinking that every time we get a spontaneous thought, it's a word from God, let's factor in some further insights. There's another supernatural source of thoughts that the Bible speaks of. Do you remember in Matthew 16 when we saw how Peter received a thought from God regarding Jesus being the Messiah? Well, keep reading in Matthew chapter 16. Peter goes from being told that he has heard from God to being told that he has also heard from the devil. After Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, 
Jesus informs Peter that they must now go to Jerusalem where Jesus will suffer many things, including being killed. When Peter hears that, his mind goes fuzzy. He's flooded with thoughts. Look what happens next. The Bible says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Whoa, I mean, talk about whiplash. What's going on here? From Jesus' reaction, we can glean this. Apparently, Peter didn't realize it at the time, but he had just unwittingly been used as a puppet. Apparently, from Jesus' reaction, Peter just repeated a thought that didn't originate in Peter's brain. Peter repeated a ready-made thought that had been dropped off, popped into Peter's mind. Jesus looked at and perhaps through Peter and addressed the true source of that ready-made thought. Get behind me, Satan. Apparently, the true source of the thought that was spoken by Peter was the other supernatural source, the demonic source. Now, let me be clear at this moment. Jesus was not calling Peter Satan, nor was Jesus claiming that Peter was possessed by Satan. Jesus was speaking to the source behind Peter's thought and Peter's words. Jesus knew that Peter was simply repeating a thought that the enemy had tossed into Peter's mind. Having a thought from the enemy doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. Our minds are like pots of soil that are open to the elements. And different sources can toss different seeds of thoughts or seeds of ideas into the soil of our brains, into our minds. And what we do with those seeds of thoughts that come into our minds is our responsibility. Martin Luther famously described it this way. He said, we can't stop the birds from flying over our head, but we can stop them from nesting in our hair. He's saying, you can't stop what thoughts come into your mind, but you can determine what you do with those thoughts once they're in your mind. Our responsibility is to steward the thoughts in our minds. We say, Darren, if I have all of these thoughts flowing through my mind, how can I clearly distinguish between them? If I can hear human thoughts and divine thoughts and sometimes even demonic thoughts, perhaps, how can I discern the difference between them all? Well, you've done a lot of thinking already today. You thought to yourself, am I going to have breakfast today or not? If so, what am I going to have for breakfast? You thought to yourself, what am I going to wear today? Is it a casual day? Is it a formal day? Is it a business casual day? You thought to yourself, am I going to attend church in person today or am I going to uh, watch online? You've had a lot of thoughts flow through your mind already today. Now, when you did all of this thinking, whose voice did you hear? What did those thoughts sound like? You didn't even notice what they sounded like, did you? You didn't notice because a thought sounds like your own voice. When you're thinking thoughts, you're hearing your own voice. When you hear a spontaneous thought from God, what will God's voice sound like? The answer is amazingly simple. God's voice will sound like your voice. Now, this surprises many of us. We tend to think that God's voice will sound like Charlton Heston or Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones. Instead of, this is CNN, we expect to hear, this 
is God. If you're thinking that you'll be able to distinguish God's thoughts from your thoughts by how they sound in your mind, think again. God's thoughts travel the same mental highway and use the same mental mechanism as your thoughts. That means they're going to sound the same. Think in these terms. Do the words on the screen of a computer look different depending upon who types them? Of course not. You can't tell who typed a word by how the word looks on the screen. Well, God's thoughts use the same keyboard that your thoughts use. The letters on the screen of your mind will not look any different when God types them than when they look when you type them. In a similar way, God's thoughts use the same mental voice box that your thoughts use. The sound in the ears of your mind will not sound any different for God's thoughts than they sound for your thoughts. God's voice will sound just like your voice when you hear it in your mind. Well, you say, if that's true, how can I recognize God's voice? If God's voice sounds like my voice, how can I discern a thought that comes from God? Well, let me conclude today by offering some quick, simple, practical tips on how to discern God's thoughts from all of the other thoughts that come to our minds. When a spontaneous thought comes to your mind and grabs your attention to the point where you're wondering if it has come from God or not, ask yourself the following questions. First of all, determine the content of the thought. What is it saying to you? Simply look at the basic information contained in the thought. What's the thought actually saying? What is the thought declaring? What is the thought claiming? And then measure it against the written word of God. The Apostle Paul said, All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, we are not guided ultimately by our thoughts or spontaneous thoughts or feelings. We're guided ultimately by the written word of God. This, God's word, scripture, is our final authority. So whatever I'm feeling or thinking or hearing must submit to the written word of God. Secondly, then discern the nature of the thought, meaning what is it producing in you? What does the thought stir up within you? What's the thought causing you to think or feel? How is the thought leading you to respond? And then measure that against the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Scripture, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, is this thought increasing your experience of these qualities in your life, the fruit of the Spirit? If it is, that's a strong sign that the thought could be divinely sourced. But on the other hand, if the content of the thought does not measure up to the written word of God, and if the thoughts stir up in you feelings of anxiety or anger or fear or lust or jealousy or rage or doubt, those are certain signs that the thought is not from God. How can you determine the source of a spontaneous thought? Determine the content of the thought. What is it saying to you? And then discern the nature of the thought. What is it producing in you? And then thirdly, disclose the message of the thought. How does godly wisdom respond? 
Sometimes in life, we feel like God is calling us to step out, to make bold moves outside of our comfort zone. In such cases, when the stakes are high, you should bounce your impressions off of people in your life who are known to have godly character and proven wisdom. In other words, submit it to the wisdom of trusted, godly advisors. Proverbs 28:26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Well, let's conclude. Life as a follower of Jesus Christ is not a dry, static, cerebral-filled life. Life as a follower of Jesus Christ is a dynamic, living, spirit-filled life. A life where God's spirit speaks to your spirit, guiding you, encouraging you, teaching you, correcting you, challenging you, and comforting you. It's my prayer that everyone who can hear my voice right now will walk away from this teaching today better equipped to hear God's voice for the rest of their lives. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your indwelling spirit. I thank you that you live within us by your spirit that you communicate to us, you guide us, you teach us, encourage us, affirm us, confirm your truth, the truth of your written word in our lives. Teach us to hear your voice. Teach us to be more sensitive to you. May we walk in the spirit. May we keep in step with the spirit, as your word says. Guide us, encourage us, speak to us. May we live spirit-filled, spirit-directed lives. And if you're watching today, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. The Spirit of God does not yet dwell within you, but He wants to. And Jesus cleared the way to make that happen. He cleared the way by paying your moral debt, by forgiving you of your sin, by restoring the relationship with God that you were designed and created to have. Your sin, like my sin, blocked that relationship. But Jesus came through his life, death, and resurrection to pay your moral debt and to clear the sin away to allow the Spirit of God to come and dwell within you. If you'd like to have that Spirit-led life, if you'd like to live life with the Spirit of God dwelling within you, just pray this prayer with me right now. It's a prayer of accepting God's gift of forgiveness and mercy and receiving the gift of God's indwelling Spirit. God, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my rebellion. I acknowledge that I've walked away from you and turned my back on you. I don't want to live that way any longer. So I accept your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Come and dwell within me by your spirit. Cleanse me from my sin and dwell within me from this moment forward. And give me the courage to act on this decision. Give me the courage to tell somebody about this decision. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, text the number that's on the screen right now and someone will text you back and help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for watching today as we do our best to answer the questions that you're asking. Join us again next week as we continue in our You Asked For It series here at Broadway Church.